What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great and just feeling God's presence and feeling the Holy Spirit. If you are new here, we're so glad you're here. My name is Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace, and we just are in a great time of the year. It's a little chilly for us Floridians, and so we love it. Get to actually have some hot chocolate and not start sweating after we drink it. Uh, it's a great thing. And, and so for us here at Grace Church, uh, we're in week three of our Just Be series, and this has been a wonderful series. I appreciate all the feedback that I've been getting getting uh, regarding week one and two. If you haven't been here over the first couple of weeks, I definitely encourage you for to, to listen to the podcast because uh, we need to just be because uh, we are so distracted by so many things in our life. Our, our calendars are full. We have busyness and activity. Uh, at times, even our schedules are chaotic. We have so many things spinning, and, and we've got to be in eight different places at the same time, and we just can't make it happen. And so we've been focusing on the aspect of just be. And so I know there's times in our life where we feel that. We feel that pressure, and, and I know maybe you have hosted a party before. Maybe you were having people over your home, or, or you're setting up a wedding, or some type of banquet, or, or maybe you were going to one. And so when, whenever we're doing a banquet or a wedding or some type of venue, we always send out invitations, right? I mean, if we're having a party, we send out invitations, whether it's a, a, a social media invitation or whatever, you know, postcards. And then what do we want back when we send that invitation out? We want people to RSVP. We even put it on the bottom, please RSVP by this certain date. Now, if you do that and you set up the party and nobody responds by that date. Like, let's say you invite 100 people and you get three people that RSVP by the date, but you have so many people that are going, oh, we're, we're going to come, we're going to come, and you go, okay, then let's RSVP. So you send out reminders, and, and so if, if we're honest, I mean, we just, we, we've done that to other people, we've received that. It's just a reality, unfortunately, and, and I think there's something to that. I just, when I look at that, I just feel like people are, are, are just, like, they don't want to commit. People are concerned that if I commit to that, something better might come along. And I've already said yes to that. So it's like we want to confirm, but we're just waiting to do that. And I just, I feel like in our culture, in our society, we don't want to commit anymore. We just simply wait. And so, if, I mean, gosh, if you get invited by a friend to help them move, you're going, oh, man, hopefully I'll, I'll like, have a cough that morning or I'll sneeze and I'll be like, oh, my allergies are acting up. Pizza's not going to cut it to help you move. And so we're just, we're looking for some type of excuse to not show up. And so we just, we struggle with commitment. But it kind of makes me wonder, and I just kind of want to ask you the question, what are we waiting for? Right? We're waiting to RSVP. We're waiting to commit. And I, I just think like a lot of times we're waiting to see if something else pops up that's better. Because we're afraid to commit to something because if another option comes in, we go, oh, like maybe I'd want to do that. But I said yes to them. And so, I mean, we just need to sometimes even see how we feel about it as it gets closer. And so today, for week three of our Just Be series, I want to talk about Just Be Committed. And so we're going to be taking a look at the life of John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew 3. If you have your Bible app, you can go ahead and click on that uh, in your mobile devices. The verses will be up on the screen. But let me give you a little bit of a background on John the Baptist. Maybe you're not familiar with him, but I just kind of want to get us all this baseline understanding about John the Baptist. And so John was known throughout the region for his passion, uh, for his, his, cura- his courageous 
leadership where he would, he would speak out the truth of the scripture and, and confront people all the time. In fact, you and I kind of maybe in, in our society, we, we've heard uh, about preachers before where, where we might would have said that they preach fire and brimstone. And that's a cliche thing about preachers. And, and so that was John the Baptist. I mean, he would preach fire and brimstone. He would get after it. And so he was constantly confronting legalism and sin in people's lives. But one of the things that was unique about John was his calling was to prepare the way for the Messiah. That was really unique to him and him alone. Uh, because the, the reason that God lined that up was because Jesus would be coming, but he would be bringing something so different, so contrary to what the Jews thought the Messiah would be, that, they, that, that God wanted to bring someone to prepare them, to, to prepare the way for the Lord, for the Redeemer. And so that's what John did. So John was basically the opening act before the headliner. Uh, that, that's the reality. That's part of his calling and who, who he was to be. And so in understanding John, you know, he, he would live out towards the Jordan River, uh, which is more towards the east of, of uh, the country of Israel. And so out there, there was a lot of wilderness. There was some mountains. It was you know, a very arid region, a lot of trees, that type thing. And, and so he would be out there. And so John was basically out in the wilderness. So kind of like a mountain man. Uh, But John owned it. You know, in this day and age, a lot of people will grow beards and stuff. And so John had, I'm sure he had a legit beard and had like beard cream. Like he would, he would comb his beard and make sure it was awesome. And, and so he just, he was a a mountain man. He, he wore clothing that was made out of camel hair. And I don't know if you've ever touched a camel before, but their hair is really coarse. And so it's like kind of wearing wool on your skin. So, but John did that. He was all about it. He ate locusts. But he used this honey dipping sauce like that he would dip the bugs in. And I was that, that was just him. That was who he was. And, and so people from that entire region, even you know, from, from, from very far places, heard about John and his preaching. And, and people were just captivated about what was going on. And they would go out. You know, even though it was very remote out in the wilderness, tons of people would go to hear John preach and to see him. And I think some people just kind of wanted to see him. You know, they had heard about him, so they were curious. They wanted to watch the baptisms or experience that. But I, there is no doubt when you read about John that, man, that just the power of the Holy Spirit was moving so significantly in people's lives. And they were repenting. They were acknowledging their sin, acknowledging their need for the Savior, and, and leaving their life of sin, and, and John was baptizing them in the Jordan River, just amazing spiritual transformation taking place. So as incredible as all that is, John's calling, his anointing, what God was doing, John understood his, the reality in his life that he needed to just be committed to Christ. And that's the first point I want to share with you as we take a look at Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 11. So this is John speaking. So he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit 
and with fire. And so John is just acknowledging his commitment to Christ. He's like, Jesus is way higher. Like I'm, I'm like even below his sandals. I'm the dirt underneath his flip-flops. Like that's what John is saying and, and acknowledging his commitment to Christ. And, and when you look at John, if, if we understand correctly, he had a good thing going. I mean, John had a lot of people following him. He, had, he was very powerful. He was extremely persuasive, you know, because the Holy Spirit was moving so significantly. He was popular. People would come to, to hear. And so he probably was trending on Twitter. He probably had a billion viewers and subscribers on YouTube. But he knew his role and his calling and what he was supposed to do and how he was supposed to live that out. And so we see that about John, but it makes me wonder about us. You know, for you and I, how are we doing at what we're called to do? Because so many times when we experience some success, all of a sudden we begin to make everything about us, right? So maybe for you, when you experience some success recently, how did you act? How did you respond? What were the things that kind of made you, what, what made you feel like in, in your experience? Because maybe it was, it's something like this. Maybe you're a person and you work for a business or maybe you started a business because starting a business is really hard. I mean, we know the, the, the percentages of businesses that fail within the first year or two. Like it's, it's very significant. So maybe for you and your business, your business is doing good. You're like, I started my business and it's going well. I've got two quarters in a row where we're rocking it. We're seeing profit. Maybe, maybe you see, you've seen two years in a row of just high net sales and profitability and you're feeling good. You're feeling confident about your position. Maybe you're in a larger company and you, and, and you just, uh, things are going well. Maybe you got employee of the month and the parking spot that goes along with that. So you're feeling good, right? And so many of us in that situation, when we experience some success in different areas of our life, if we're honest, sometimes we get a little bit self-absorbed where we go, did you see that? Did you see what I did? Have you seen the number of decisions and the influence that I've had at the boardroom table and, and directing the team and, 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 and going about what did you, you noticed, right? And so what happens is a little bit of pride mixed with some success makes a self-indulgent cocktail in our lives. So instead of being committed to Christ, we're committed to us, to who we are, to what we, going on, what we have going on. We're all about some personal promotion. We're all about our own well-being, our own security, and we'll do whatever we need to to accomplish that. So we'll boost ourselves up in those times. Or just the opposite. Maybe sometimes we experience that success and God doing something very significant and, and we get a little bit self-deprecating where we go, oh, like, no way, not me. Like, uh, I, 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 God can't do that through me. Maybe the opportunity even comes up for you to lead a Bible study at work and you go, oh, no, like, I can't do that. No way. Like, that'd be too hard. I can't pray out loud in front of people. I can't pray out loud with my coworkers. And the thing that's really interesting is when we look at John the Baptist's story, he faced that as well. Because when it came time for Jesus to be baptized, 
Who's going to baptize the Savior of the world? I mean, are you serious? Are you kidding me? Oh, you're the Messiah? Yeah, like, oh, it's time for you to get baptized? Like, who wants to do that? That's so intimidating, right? I mean, you're talking about God's only Son that comes as the Redeemer for all humanity? I mean, how intimidating is that? And so that's what John was encountering. And we find that in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus went went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. And so John agreed to baptize him. And so the thing that's interesting is whether we kind of boost ourselves or push ourselves down, when we make it all about us, we miss out on what God is doing. John was going, gosh, I I don't know if I'm worthy of this. And Jesus says, no, 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 this is right. This is good. And so John steps in. But when we make it all about us, sometimes we disqualify ourselves from what God actually wants to do in our life. And so I know just in the reality of our lives, God is not interested in promoting people who promote themselves whether it's pushing ourselves down, not feeling adequate, or boosting ourselves too much. And the thing that's interesting is God absolutely has a strategy to evaluate our motives, right? So we know that God sees our thoughts, God sees our heart. He evaluates our motives because when we commit to follow Christ, there should be this general understanding that we're going to face some trials, right? We're going to face some tests. That, that's what scripture calls them is tests and trials. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. So Peter's just saying, hey, this is normal. You're going to face these difficulties. And John the Baptist was no different. No different. He was facing them as well. But the thing that's interesting, John, he did not play politics. Uh, He did not try and coerce people. He did not try and persuade them. Like he was passionate and he would confront injustice. He would confront immorality. Like John was not persuaded by other people in any way. He was very resolute in being being God-honoring and being God-first. And so in this, in this time uh, of history, uh, during, during the first century, the Romans were ruling, right? They were ruling a lot of that entire region of, of the world. And so in the Roman government, Herod would be the leader of a province. And so Herod was the, the, the governor over, over the province of Israel. And so if you understand kind of the context of what's going on, there was a ton of drama, like, a t- like soap opera drama going on in, in Herod's world and in Israel, like just crazy things that were taking place. And so one of the things specifically was Herod, who was the governor, he took his brother's wife as his own wife. And so you're going, what? So he basically married his sister-in-law, like he took her from his brother. And so John the Baptist, he recognized this. He's like, whoa, like, are you kidding me? You can't do that. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what, what country is ruling. That's immoral. That's not right. And so John spoke out publicly and openly about the immorality of it. And so as a result, Herod wanted John dead. He's like, fine, like, I want you dead. But Herod was afraid to do that because John had a huge following of people. 
But Herod did imprison John. At one point in time, he arrested him and he put him in jail. And so tests and trials, they come in all different shapes and sizes, all different types that we experience. And so the question that I want to pose to you is, are we willing to stand up for what's right? Are we willing to speak out against injustice and immorality, even though we know what may come as a result? Or are we just too afraid and we're kind of cowering our way through life when we experience and we face these types of things, just hoping that we can kind of squeak by and squeak through and it'll just kind of disappear. So we've got to be committed in every area. And so the second thing that I want to share with you is we need to just be committed despite the challenges because it continues jumping forward into Matthew 11 verse 2. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things that the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? And so John had his time. He was to prepare the way and he did that. And then God moved him out of the way. He was in jail. And so now John is basically saying, hey, Jesus, like, hey, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Because it's John here. Like, I'm your cousin. Remember all those things that I did? I'm the one that baptized you and like all those people. Like, you were there. You saw all the things I was doing. And now I'm in jail. So you're going to come and get me, right? You're the, are you the Messiah? Are you really the Messiah? Because if you are, then, you know, you're going to come and get your bro, right? You're going to come and bust me out of here. And the thing that's interesting is when we're in the middle of a trial, we feel so alone, don't we? We feel abandoned. We feel betrayed. We're, we're questioning things right in the middle of the difficulty. We're looking at our circumstances and we're going, God, where are you? Are you not going to show up? God, it's me. I've been following you for a little while now. Like, I love you and I pray to you. I even tithe at church and I serve. And, and so you're going to come in, in my life, right? You're going to heal me. Maybe you're facing some, some issues, some illnesses, and, some, and you're going, God, where are you? Maybe it's your dad and you're praying to, to God for your dad. God, you're going to heal my dad, right? Maybe it's your mom and she's got cancer. You're going, God, like, you've got to show up. Or maybe it's a, a son or a daughter, and they're dealing with an illness and, and you're looking at God wondering when he's going to show up or what he's going to do. Or maybe it's job related. Maybe you're looking to get a job or looking to get promoted and, and you're going, hey, God, like here I am. You're going to give me that job, right? Just so you know, I'm perfect for that. Like that job description, that's the job of a lifetime for me. You're going to give me that, right? Because, you know, I, I kind of feel like I should get it. Or maybe it's your marriage. Maybe just in your life, you, you know, your marriage isn't going so great. And you're crying out to God and you're, go, you're saying, my marriage has, has been rough for a while now. Like you're going to change him or her, right? You're going to change your spouse because it, it's them, of course. And we say things to God and we know who he is, but we, in the midst of it, we just, we feel alone. And we, we say things like, God, I know you can if you really wanted to, but you're not. And I don't understand that. And so people will leave the faith in the middle of a trial. They'll give up on God. They'll say, fine, if you're not going to do what I want you to do, then I'm out. And people will just walk away from God. People will walk away from a church. 
you know, a church that believes in God and, you know, preaches God's word and, and is, is passionate about the community, people will walk away and leave the church and, and get disconnected. People will leave their jobs. If you encounter something, you know, that's difficult at your job, you go, oh, like, uh, maybe I'm supposed to go. And you take off, you bolt, because, you know, there's some type of challenge, though, know, that, that your boss has proposed to you, or, or maybe you don't like your boss that much, and you're taking that as a sign that you're supposed to ditch. People will leave families. People will leave marriages, because things end up a little bit difficult, more challenging than we think. And so we just, just in our life, it's not just be committed. It's like, oh, I'm facing adversity. Then obviously I've got to make a change. Obviously I, I, I've, got to, I've got to give up or, or make a different decision or head in a different direction. What if we're supposed to stick it out? Like what if we're supposed to just be committed and show some guts, show some perseverance, in our life, show some endurance despite the difficulty. Because here's the deal, like it takes time to put down roots, right? We, we talk about putting down roots in family or in a community or in a job, but we're, we're yanking roots up left and right. We're changing jobs, changing families, changing cities time after time. And, and like the roots don't even have time to grow. Like we're on our 14th church this year and like, oh, I want to get connected in a church and we're just ripping roots out and walking down the road. And so my challenge is just be committed and what that looks like despite the trial, despite the test. A few weeks ago, I was sharing with our connection group. Nicole and I led a freedom group uh, this fall semester, and um, we were talking a few weeks ago about following God's will right? Knowing God's will and moving after that. And uh, we all want that, right? We all want to know what God wants and we'll do it. And, and so we, we were talking about the difference though between tests and temptation. So the, the, the way I was explaining it that I want to share with you is to me, like following in God's will is like walking on a path, right? We, we just, it's terminology that we can get and we can understand. We're walking down the path of life, right? So we're walking, sometimes we're walking and things are good. Sometimes we're crawling, if we're honest, or we're, going, we're, we're like scratching and crawling, like things are terrible. And we're, we're just trying to make it away. Sometimes we're running. We're just kind of cruising along down the path. We're like, this is good. Like life's good. We're happy. Things are clicking. And so the way I was explaining the difference between tests and temptations is as we're walking down the path of life and we encounter a pit, right? The pit that's in front of us is a temptation. And so what happens is the devil will put that pit there in front of us because he wants us to fall into it. So in scripture, there's even this, the terminology where it says we fall into sin. It's like a pit. So we didn't see it. We're cruising along and we fall into sin and, we, and we're, we're down at the bottom of the pit. We hit the bottom. There's mud and there's bugs down there and rats. And you're going, oh my gosh, like what in the world? Are you kidding me? This is nasty. Get me out of here. We look to God. We're like, God, please forgive me. And he, and he takes us out of the pit. He sets us back on the path. He washes us off because of Christ and, and forgiveness. And it just is amazing. We're cleansed and set free. And so we continue again, right? We continue on the path. We're going forward. And so then all of a sudden we, we, we come to another pit. The first one that we just fell in, we didn't see it. We just fell into temptation and we wish we didn't. We have some, you know, we realize we, we made some decisions we shouldn't have, but then we get to the next one and we see the pit and there it is in front of us. And we still fall into that same temptation, even though we saw it. And many of us, all of us have experienced this in our life before where we think in our head and really it's the Holy Spirit going, you shouldn't watch that. You shouldn't go there. You shouldn't be connected with them. But we do it anyway, 
We saw the pit and we still fell into it. Now, because of God's grace, when we're in that pit, we look up and we're going, God, I'm so sorry. And he's amazing, right? He, he gives us another ladder to climb up out of the pit, forgives us again, washes us off this time with a fire hose, make it sting a little bit, make sure we remember. No, just kidding. Uh, but he, he gives us forgiveness. That's wonderful. It's beautiful. It, it, like, it's incredible that he does that. But the goal is that you and I would walk down the path of life and see the temptation, to see the pit, and then go around it. That's the goal, that we would recognize temptation for what it is and decide to go around it and not fall into it anymore. Because so many times you and I, we've done the same thing repeatedly. And God is saying, hey, that's a temptation. It's time to go around that temptation and not fall into it anymore. But tests are not temptations. Tests are not like pits. For this analogy, we'll call tests like mud. Tests are, are muddy, like some mud that you encounter. So several years ago, I did this, you know, this race thing. It's called a Tough Mudder, where they have, you, you, you do it with friends. You go, there's challenges and obstacles. And so one of the things that, one of the obstacles that they had was like, the, it was basically like a quarter of a mile of mud. Uh, they just, you know, you, you, we would have to climb up walls and ropes. And so this section was just mud. And so you would have to walk through the mud. It was like, like up to your knees, some was deeper, some was more shallow. And the thing that was interesting is actually it was on a, an, a, a farm. And so I, like there, I'm, there might've been manure and all this. Like it was, it, it was fun uh, mostly, but it was exhausting. So we're walking through like, you're afraid your shoes are going to come off, get stuck in the mud. But there's a big difference between falling into a pit and walking through the mud. Because when I'm in the mud and I'm walking through it, like it was hard. It was challenging. My quads were burning. I just wanted to kind of sit down like in the mud just for a little while, just kind of commiserate, be like, oh. And, but here's the deal. That's a test, right? And so God is in the struggle. So let's take a look at what happens in Matthew 11 and verse 4. So Jesus responds, and he says, he told them, he's speaking to John's disciples. He says, go back and tell John, tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk. Those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, I love this part. This is so deep. This is so significant. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. And so John's in prison. John sends his disciples, you're going to get me out of here. And so Jesus responds. He's like, there's healings taking place, miracles. The good news is being preached. And blessed are those who don't fall away. And so what Jesus is saying is, blessed are those who just stay committed. Despite the Messiah and, and it, like following Jesus can be challenging. It can be difficult. But here, what, like what Jesus is saying, he's like, hey, there, there's times that we're going to face tests and trials. Don't fall away because of me. Because there, there, there's times when Jesus is honing us, right? There's times when he's sharpening us. Like a blade is sharpened, you know, on a wheel. And like we've got to understand that we're getting sharpened at different times. There's terminology in scripture where it talks about that we're pruned, like we're a plant. And he's cutting us away. He's cutting things off so that we can be more fruitful and grow even more, which is amazing. And, and there's also words and, and verses that talk about purification where the heat is turned up. 
So the impurities rise to the top and then they're skimmed off. Blessed are those who don't fall away in the midst of the pruning and the honing and the purification process. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't just cast that that situation aside and, and be like, no, this can't be God. There's no way. Like, it's too hard. Just be committed in the midst of that test. And Jesus isn't asking for just a little bit of commitment. He's asking for everything. I mean, there's a scripture where it, like Jesus says, you need to take up your cross and follow me. And so what that means is unto death. So the crucifixion was the way that the Romans did their capital punishment. And so Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Basically saying unto the death. All of you, all that you are, all that you're not, you crucify yourself to follow me. Possibly even to our physical death. Because John the Baptist, he was eventually killed in prison. He was beheaded by Herod. At Herod's order, he was killed. And so martyrdom is the epitome of commitment. Commitment to follow Christ regardless. And so martyrdom might not be what you and I would experience. But I'll tell you what, we, we're going to face some tests, aren't we? we? Maybe you're in a trial right now and you're looking to God and you're looking for answers. And here's what he's saying. Just be committed. Just be. Because it's so easy for us to give up. And I want to share this with, with some of you right now because you're not committed to Christ. Maybe it's because of a trial, but maybe for some of you, you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus. Maybe you've just kind of been cruising through life, hoping that everything works out, think that you do, if you do more good than bad, then, then you'll earn your way to heaven, and that's not the case. It says very clearly in Scripture that we have got to put our faith and believe in Jesus, believe that he's God's son, that he was crucified, that he died, and that he rose again. That's the only way that we get our ticket punched to get to heaven. Like, that's it. It's very clear. And so for some of you, if you haven't done that, like today's the day. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just as a visual sign that you know that you're saying, I've got to follow Jesus. I need to put my faith in him. And I know that some some of you, you need to do that. Like you're not 100% committed. Like you're wavering back and forth. And that's that's not what, what the Lord has for you. And I know for a fact, there's many of us, we've We've looked at the test and the trial and and discredited God or discredited ourselves, and we're going to pray for that too. But if you guys here in the auditorium, if you would do me a favor and just go ahead and close your eyes and bow your head, uh, just to have a moment to yourself, just collect your thoughts and, and, and just connect with God on a relational level. But I also wanted to just have everybody close their eyes because I know there's some of you that you need to raise your hand. Uh, to make a commitment to follow Christ. And the reason I did that is because I don't want you to be concerned about other people seeing you put your hand up. Like it's, uh, in this moment, it's just, it's between you and God. And, and so I want to give you that amazing opportunity to commit to follow Christ. And so if that's you and you're here in the auditorium, if you would go ahead and lift your hand up right now, just say, yep, that's me. Just go ahead and lift your hand up so I can see it. I'm the only one that's looking around. Nobody's looking around. This isn't something that's embarrassing. This isn't bad. This is good. This is amazing. You're just kind of raising your hand saying, yep, God, that's me. 
Yeah, thank you so much. I see your hand. Anybody else? Like, put it up. Just make a commitment to follow Christ and, and understand the magnitude of what this is. Yeah, thank you so much. You can go ahead and put your hands down. And so for those of you that had your hand up or for those of you that maybe you wanted to lift your hand, but you were a little concerned about it, you can pray along with me right now. Not that my words are special or magical in any way. It's just God sees our heart. So maybe you pray along with me. Maybe you repeat after me, but God, just pray in your heart and just maybe you say something like, God, I know I need you. Jesus, I recognize that you're God's son. I'm desperate for you in my life. I recognize that you did die and you rose again for me. And so will you forgive me of all that I've ever done? Would you come into my life and change me? I want a fresh start. I want a new beginning. And I know that I can only find that in you. And so right now, I pray. And I will be committed to follow after you all the days of my life. And Father, I also want to pray for so many of us in here uh, that at times in our life, we have gone astray. We have discredited you or the situation and not seen you in it. And Lord, we're so sorry for that. We acknowledge that. We confess that before you. And we ask for your forgiveness and your cleansing. But Lord, right now, we want to remain committed. We want to be bold. We want to have faith. And Father, I also pray for the, the number of us that we're in the trial right now. We're in the thick of it. We're in the fire. We're in the mud. And we're trudging through. We want to sit down. We want to quit. Lord, I pray for supernatural strength for every single one of us, for endurance and perseverance, that we will be able to push through. God, that we would see you in our situation and in our circumstance, that you would help us to be steadfast and resolute, not being deterred to the left or the right, not giving up and walking away, but that we would walk in faith and boldness and truth and reality about who you are. God, you are so incredible. And we bless you and praise you in the midst of our trial. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody go ahead and stand up. Let's praise the Lord in the midst of our struggle.